Charlotte. It's Shelby. It's Riley. And And it's it's time time to smut up and listen. Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink shaming or author shaming. This is all in good smutty fun. Enjoy. And today's episode trigger warnings are graphic and rough sex, sex in public, group sex, dub con, graphic violence, graphic language, suicide and talk of suicide, captive, captivity, attempted sexual assault, degradation, submission, bondage, blood play, spanking and punishment, CNC. And this week, we're going to be telling Riley all about The Fey Princes, which is the last book in the Vicious Lost Boys series. And how many stars did you give it on Goodreads, Shelby? I gave it a four, just like everything a else. Four. But I have things I have to talk about, but I can't talk about them. Was it like your low, the lowest four, like your least favorite four? Yeah. Same. Okay. I will say I rated it the same. Although I think I gave the okay. first one a five. I can't remember. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure the first one was a five. Yeah. It was a five for me, too. It was so good. And then it just, I I think it gets a a little plotty and less smutty. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not here for the plot. No, I already fucking know about Peter Pan. God. My quote for you, Riley, is you're fucking me right here and right now and I want you to come with me. You're fucking me. Fucking me. And mine is, I pull my hand out from the darling's panties, out from beneath the table and brush her bottom lip with her wetness. Taste it, I order her. Her tongue slides over the rise of her lip cleaning up the mess full of lost boy come as always she really always as is. always literally always doesn't matter the situation she's got some amount of lost boy come in her yes there's come in her at all times we start in our prologue the mother is barefoot holding her son while walking into the water of the lagoon she knows it needs to be done to save her other children because if he lives he will destroy them all she creates a makeshift raft from a curled leaf and lays him down she says i'm sorry as she pushes the leaf and the baby away <gasps> sad but she doesn't drown it she just pushes it away in the water and then it, it, the baby falls off the leaf oh god <laughs> we start in pan's pov he thinks he has to be dreaming because Tinkerbell is dead and he did it himself so he knows for a fact that she should not be there. That's right. She's back. At the end, wasn't she like, hi, Peter. Uh Hello, Peter Pan. (laughs) Hello, Peter. Hey, Peter. (laughs) Peter. (laughs) That was good. Thank you. That was wonderful. (laughs) Thank you. She tells him it's good to see him and asks if he missed her. And he says, how are you here? And she tells him that the island brought her back. He knows whatever is going on only means more trouble and all he wants right now is peace. He takes a deep breath and whispers, I don't believe in fairies, trying to kill her like last time, and it does not work. She says, no, bitch. She's yeah, like, she's like, <laughs> I'm here to stay. She has a lot of maniacal laughing in this book. Oh, okay, Tink. Like, she literally pauses th- and always throws her head back to laugh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> she's a villain. It's not that funny. We switch to Rock's POV. Smee finds him in the bar pouring a drink still covered in old blood and his ripped clothes from the battle on the beach. And he knows that she told Hook about Wendy and that's why he left. And she admits that she did tell him, but she chose to stay behind. He shoots his little shot and asks how long ago that was since he's been passed out from when he devoured all those people. And she doesn't answer the question, but she does tell him that when you care for very little as a way to protect yourself, it means that when you actually do care, losing has a much higher cost. 
And he gets like a weird like knot in his throat, but he doesn't reply to her. And then she tells him it's time for him to go and have fun on his quest to destroy everything he touches. And he leaves. Poor Brock. I think he's misunderstood. I think so too. He seems like it. We're in Winnie's POV. She wakes up cold and it's never been cold on the island since she's been there. It also looks like it's snowing outside when she gets up and it's never snowed there before. That's weird. The boys wake up and she asks if it's ever snowed there and they said no and they go to the window to see that she's right. She also senses something else is wrong and wants to know immediately where Pan is. All of a sudden they hear fighting and she knows it's Pan so they go to rush to him and when they get there all Bash says is holy fucking shit because he's fighting Tinkerbell. And Tink's their mom isn't it? Yeah. Crazy! Winnie instantly knows it's Tinkerbell from her vision where she killed the original darling and I can't remember if it was the first book or the second book when Winnie had like the vision of the OG darling getting murdered by Tink. I want to say it was the first one like the very end of the first one. I think so too. Tink steps near Bash and he tells her to get away from him and then Winnie steps between them to protect him and the twins want to know how it's possible she's there and she says the magic of the island's mysterious and then she looks to Pan and says you were the first bit of magic and impossibility she goes on weren't you Peter Pan all that time I spent down there with the spirits of the lagoon you hear many curious things about myths and men and men who think they're myths way to be so cryptic she Uh is a cryptic bitch (laughs) she then looks to Vane and says the lagoon spirits actually love him and then she tells them that she isn't here to fight but to make amends and she wants them all to go to the fey palace for a feast and celebration of her return and they can all be friends she even Mm -hmm. promises to revoke the twins banishment and return their wings we switch to bash's pov he feels sick and he doesn't understand how his mom can be back and as they watch her fly away he looks at pan and sees that he's in like visceral pain watching her leave bash goes upstairs and grabs a bottle of whiskey to take a shot and he's like everything's about to get fucking crazy again yep after literally not even 24 hours of crazy he watches winnie since she hasn't said very much and he thinks about how she's allowed to hate tink as much as the rest of them since she did kill her ancestor and then he remembers about tilly and wants to help her because she doesn't stand a chance against her mother and they also have the chance to get their wings back if they help tilly and that is all the twins have wanted since book one to get their wings back they want them back so bad doesn't tink still love her daughter uh i don't it's hard to tell i don't think so i don't think so either i don't yeah if a flying fae loses their wings as punishment punishment for wrongdoing the wings are burned but the royal line is exempt from that punishment so the wings are stored in the vault in a magical vessel we don't know what vessel our sister chose restoring them to us is just a matter of giving us a vessel it's the gifting of it that will unlock the binding magic thereby restoring our wings mm-hmm. pan thinks they should just steal the twins wings back from the vault without them going to the court and staying on his side he knows the temptation of their wings would sway them back to the fae palace and he doesn't want that balder walks in and bash asks him how someone comes back from the lagoon since he came back from the lagoon but he doesn't say anything and Vane thinks that this plan is fucking stupid and then bash says look dark one would i rather get shit-faced and tie darling to my bed and fuck her until she screams or deal with my undead mother and conniving sister 
Obviously, I want the former. The latter makes my head hurt. Obviously. We switch to Pan's POV, and he can't get Tink's words out of his head, specifically men who think they are myths. He thought getting his shadow back would right the island, but now it's snowing and she's back, and he thinks that the island feels far away from his magic. He's wrapped in thoughts when Winnie interrupts and says that they'll figure everything out together. He hears Vane argue with the twins, and he tells them that they go to the palace. If they don't go, they look weak, and if they ignore her, it only inspires cruelty. Vane is pissed because he knows Tink will use Winnie as a pawn since she's all of their weakness, and if someone lays a hand on her, he's literally going to destroy everything. Pan agrees with this, but he knows Tink won't openly harm Winnie. She does things behind the scenes. Yeah, because she's a conniving little bitch. He says they will do his plan, no room for argument, and then he can't help but feel alone. Cass has Bash, Vane has Winnie, and once upon a time, he used to have a best friend, and her name was Tinkerbell. Oh, Peter. You're not alone, Peter Pan. You have Winnie, too. Yeah. He tells them that they leave at sundown, and then he leaves the room. We switch to Rock's POV. He decides to go ask the Fae Queen about any info regarding Wendy and where she is. But before he heads to the palace, he decides to stop in town first. The weather isn't stopping everyone from being outside selling food and jewelry, so he stops at a cart selling peanuts and they're Neverland's best nuts. The best nuts in town. <laughs> he loves a good nut. He does. He buys a cup and then he goes to the palace. He makes a little pit stop for peanuts. They're boiled peanuts. As one does. That's like a legit snack that people like <sighs> i don't think i've ever had them but i'd eat one I'd try it i bet they're good yeah probably you love a good peanut let us know let us know if you like boiled nuts <laughs> <laughs> When he arrives at the palace, it's chaos. Everyone is buzzing around and doing a million things like they're setting up for a party. He grabs a girl and asks where the queen is, but he can tell something is amiss. And he ends up letting her go to follow a bright red carpet down the hallway to the throne room. Tilly turns around about to yell at whoever entered to go, but she sees it's him and she's like, whatever, and finishes her glass of wine. He notices that the throne is missing and he goes to her and begs her to only have moved it and not done what he thinks she has done. What'd she do? Remember, she threw it into the lagoon. And then Tinkerbell appeared. <gasps> Shit, that's right! Okay, okay, okay. And Rock says that there's like a bunch of really dark old magic that the Fae seemed to have forgotten about tied to the throne. And so when she offered it, it like unleashed crazy shit. Oh. That's when he sees Tinkerbell and Rock turns to Tilly and said that she's a stupid, foolish girl. Tink tells him that she is stupid and foolish and that's why she did what she did so she could get proper guidance on how to rule from her mother. <laughs> what a whore. She is a whore. Rock asks how that's going to happen and Tink says that her boys are meant to rule at birthright so they'll come and take over and then Pan will follow and Rock's like what about Tilly because she's the queen and Tink's like she'll figure something out we'll find something for her to do. And is Tilly just right there like yeah Tilly's just like standing there like hey I love my mom. Love her. If I was queen I would not willingly give that up. She's not a very good queen though. No she's not. No. We switch to Cass POV. Him and his brother decide to go for a walk to their 
They call her Nani, but it's like their grandma's grave. Once they leave Pam's territory, he can feel the sense of danger heightened. But when they get to the tree line, Bash stops them because there's a figure across the field at the graves. And Tilly is there and they decide to take a chance and go talk to her. It's clear she's been crying. Bash asks how she did it. And she says she made an offering to the lagoon and accepted the offer. They ask what she gave it and what did she ask for in return. She says that all she asked for was a way to defeat Peter Pan once and for all. He thinks about how his mom might be Pan's greatest weakness because it's also such a huge betrayal of his, but he doesn't understand how the island would bring back something to destroy him if the island technically births Peter Pan in the first place, since that's like the legend is that Pan comes from the lagoon. Okay. And now he's like, well, maybe he doesn't come from the lagoon. So now he's questioning everything. They ask again what she gave the lagoon, and she finally admits that she gave it the throne and Cass loses his shit and he grabs her by the throat and tells her how stupid he thinks that is and her face starts to go blue and he tells her that in her blind pursuit for power she sacrificed the one thing any of them had for a mom who never even loved them and Bash literally has to pull him off and then she leaves. I mean it's true. But also she didn't know that that's what would happen. That's true. She just said also true. Defeat Peter Pan. We switch to Winnie's POV. She's with Vane as he paces and she admits that Tinkerbell coming back is pretty big shit. He calls her darling and she says not to that they're special now and he can't call her what the others call her. She prefers when he calls her Win. Then she goes to straddle his lap taking his cigarette and putting it out and then grinding onto him. He lifts her up and he takes her to the library kicking the door shut and slamming her onto the table. I shimmy out of my shorts and toss them aside. Then I slip my finger into my panties and pull them up forcing them to go tight against my pussy. Vane's gaze sinks between my legs as my clit throbs, fucking needy for his touch. Needy little darling. He slips a finger inside of me, slow and deliberate, and my wetness makes a loud noise in the dim quiet. He lets me go, tears off my panties, and spreads me open for him. He plants a gentle kiss just above my knee on my inner thigh. You have the most beautiful pussy I've ever seen, Win. What a compliment. Most beautiful. I would say you've seen other ones. Yeah, explain that. What do you mean? No, you haven't. You don't mean I have the only pussy you've ever seen? (laughs) You were a virgin when you met me. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Weren't you? Tell me. She tells him to stop torturing her, but he likes hearing her beg. And then as she's about to beg again, he starts to eat her out. She tries to stop him and says that she wants to come together, but he says he doesn't need to come. And she's like, bullshit. I see that huge ass bulge in your pants. So I see that dick full of cum. Ew. Some big heavy balls. <laughs> Ew. Riley. <laughs> she reaches in and grabs his dick while he kisses her. He gives in and slips his pants off and then he shoves into her and starts fucking her. Vane slams into me and the friction between us lights up my insides, the orgasm crashing through me with the power of a tidal wave. He thrusts in, spilling inside of me, grunting at the shell of my ear. I'm forever changed by him. I love him. (gasps) That's like the first time Winnie's ever said that she loves him. The L word. He tells her that he can feel her love in his chest like a million gold stars in the endless abyss that is him. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, Vane. Right, Vane. That's beautiful. 
It is beautiful. She asks him to promise that he'll always be there, and he kisses her tenderly before he said that he promises. Oh, my God. Who is this gentle beast? I don't know. He's a changed man. He is. We switch to Pan's POV, and he hears Vane and Darling in the library, and he wants to join, but he knows since the doors are closed that they want, like, a private moment. He waits for them to finish, and he thinks about how hard it is to keep his panic at bay, and his shadow feels silent but also restless. And when they finally emerge, he asks Darling to get him a drink and she does not appreciate him talking to her like a maid and her eyes turn black, but Vane calms her down. Vane demands that Pan talk to them and tell them what is wrong and what's going on and he starts to confess all that's wrong with him, but he stops himself and says, don't leave Winnie alone. And then he just leaves. He's trying to be strong for everyone. He's going through it. I know. We switch to Winnie's POV. When Pan is gone, she voices that she's worried about him and Vane agrees. She decides the only thing she can control right now is to take a bath before they go to the palace. So now Vane has to take a bath with her. Oh no. (laughs) Nothing happens. It's boring. Dang it. It's the bath. She looks at herself in the mirror and for the first time she likes what she sees. She's more full and less gangly and she's like happy is like her number one thing which I was like good for her. Yeah. They get in the bath and Vane tells her to give Pan a break. There's a lot going on currently and probably mentally and she asks if he's worried about the twins and he says no but she could feel he's lying because now that they share this shadow they can sense each other's like emotions way better crazy he says that he knows they still yearn for the connection to their family and their wings but they won't say it she asks his opinion on teak and he says that they need to focus on her staying out of the situation because given the chance teak is gonna destroy winnie and then he tells her not to leave his side at the palace later under any circumstances and she agrees and then nothing happens in the bath like i said boring boring bath boring give the people what they want we switch to bash's pov the twins are back at the treehouse and the meeting with his sister left him super uneasy when he asks if they're okay and they admit that they saw tilly and vane is surprised to even know she's alive like vane thought tink was gonna kill her off Damn, Tink's a bad bitch, but like not in a good way. (laughs) She's like a bad bitch. Yeah. Bash touches Winnie just to feel better and she asks him if he could heat her up some leftovers before they leave, but he wants to know what he gets in return. And then she straddles him. Darling bends forward, her mouth at my ear. I'll let you tie me up later. Excuse me? Let me? I shake my head. If I want to tie you up, darling, I'll tie you up and you'll take it like a good girl. Yeah, take it. Yes, sir. She grinds against his lap and he says, fine, he'll do it. And then they start to make out when Vane interrupts them and is like, she said, make her food. She's starving. <laughs> and I was like, he's a little jelly. I was going to say, does, do they start like getting jealous in this book? So far, only Vane, like right there. Yeah. Because that's like his little bitch. I think Winnie has like this special bond with Vane, but she still is into the other guys and Vane's like, yeah, that's cool. But he's okay. the main one. Gotcha. Okay. Her stomach makes a loud growl right after Vane says that. So Bash sets her aside to make food. And then Vane tells Cass to find her something appropriate to wear from Cherry's old clothes for the palace. Bash asks why he's being so bossy, then teases him and says that he must no longer be a lost boy. He's a daddy now. And Winnie laughs and says that he does have daddy energy. He's got daddy energy. Big dick energy. Cass and Winnie leave the room, but 
Vane follows Bash to the kitchen asking what really happened with his sister. He tells Vane that she made a mistake out of desperation and if he could just get through to her, maybe they can fix it. And Vane wants to know what that will take. Bash thinks that if he can get her alone again, he might stand a chance and Vane's like, okay, done. We switch to Winnie's POV. Her and Cass go to Cherry's room and he grabs her dress. It's a gorgeous emerald dress with a poofy skirt and a train that is a couple feet long. She admits that she's never worn anything this fancy and he tells her to strip her robe so he can get her buttoned up. And she's like, okay. You wanna fuck? He says no. Wow. He tells her to be a good girl and get into the dress and then maybe when she's earned it, he'll fuck her. The dress is a little too big so Cass says that he can fix it. He tells her to close her eyes and she feels the shadow stir and the air change. And when she opens her eyes, the dress fits like a dream and she's shocked to see herself in the mirror. Along with fitting the dress, her hair is also dry and swept back from her face into a twisted updo and she's wearing makeup. So he did like a an illusion on her to like make everything fit. My first oh. thought was like, what if something happens to him and he like dies or like loses control of his magic and then she just turns frumpy <laughs> yeah, with like a dress that doesn't fit and wet hair <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an hour later she's stuffing her face as bash watches her smiling and he says that he loves seeing her eat the food he makes because it makes him proud Vane walks in dressed to the nines looking hot as fuck in like a black tuxedo and he demands to know why bash isn't ready yet and Winnie admits that she told him to stay shirtless because she likes looking at him. Winnie. When Vane finally sees what she's wearing, she feels the shadow connection between them and it thrums with awe, excitement, and joy. And he tells her that she looks very beautiful. Bash leaves and returns shortly with Cass and they look delicious in their outfits. They're also in like, I guess it's not really like a tux, but they're like in black suits. Cass even has his hair all the way down and he brushed it. <gasps> oh my God. Because he always has it like in a bun. Yeah. Pan walks in shortly after and something in her chest breaks. He looks incredible. His jacket's the same color as her dress and his blonde hair is combed over, not a single lock out of place. And when I read that, I was like, has he been blonde this whole time? That's what I thought too. Yeah, I thought he had like reddish hair. That's what I've been picturing him with. Like blonde? He's a blonde man. Oh, blondie boy. Pan tells her that she looks stunning, but he says it with no emotion and he's just like, you look good. And she is really upset by this, but they leave. They arrive at the Fae territory and she can't help but admire how gorgeous the palace is and she compares it to straight out of a fairy tale. The twins also admire it but Pan tells them to hurry up and Cass sighs but Winnie just takes his hand and says not to listen. There's always room for nostalgia even if it hurts. This one's kind of sad. Yeah. Where's the sex? I don't want sad. I want sex. Yeah. They step inside and it's hard for Winnie to look at everything all at once because it's dazzling and beautiful. But all of that disappears when a group of female fairies blush and whisper over the twins. And now she's fucking pissed. She's like, nope, these two are mine. She's like, I've had both their dicks in me at one time. Have you? I don't think so. (laughs) This is my man. Vane has to calm her down and she knows that she can trust the boys. But with Pan being super distant, she wants him to reassure her because again he's not emotionally there we switch to pan's pov and he snatches up a glass of fairy wine even though he knows it's not a good idea but he needs something to calm his nerves he scans the room for tinkerbell when she comes forward and tries to hug the twins she tells tilly to take her brothers to their dressing room to put on their proper fae outfits she was like my babies 
my babies, you're dressed in that. Like, go change. This is a party. No, fuck you, mom. Where have you been? Dead? Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> the twins glance at Pan waiting for permission, and he nods at them, telling them to keep their eyes open. Then Tink grabs Pan's arm and tells him to walk with her to get a drink. She asks if he remembers sitting on the shore of the lagoon, drinking with her, asking it for secrets. The one he used to ask over and over was if he had a mother, and she tells him that she learned the answer to that question while at the bottom of the lagoon. She tells him that he had one once, but she abandoned him to the lagoon because he didn't fit in with his family, and she knew that he would take and take until there was nothing left. She apologizes to him for not being a myth, a god, or anyone special, and then she just leaves him standing there. What a fucking cunt. We switch to Winnie's POV. As she's watching the party with Vane, they're approached by the crocodile. Rock points out Pan talking to Tilly and says that it seems like the Never King is having a rough night and implies that Vane should go check on him, so Vane makes Rock swear that he'll stay with Winnie and protect her while he's gone. As soon as Vane leaves, Rock asks her to dance, and Winnie's like, in this dress? Because remember, she has like a two-foot-long train. Yeah. Yeah. So Rock pulls out a knife, cutting the train off, and tells her never to go into enemy territory wearing something that you can't dance or run in true though honestly he grabs her around the waist and leads them to the dance floor and they begin to dance she asks rock to tell her about their sister and he tells winnie that their sister was a lot like her brave and bold and curious and we learn that their family founded the bone society who are the keepers of time and considered nobles there's been references to the bone society throughout the books Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with Rock and his like TikTok, TikTok, always keeping time. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. their father tried to overthrow the monarchy of Darkland, and they lost their fortune. And he and Vane were taken in by criminals who had them use their monster powers to do their bidding. They worked their way up the ladder and found themselves in charge. But Rock wound up eating one of the daughters of the crime family, so they got revenge by raping and killing their sister in front of them. So that's yeah. how oh. Rock and Vane's sister died. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Winnie starts to cry out of heartbreak for Vane, and Rock says it looks like the boys are fine now, and she looks over to see Pan and Vane speaking angrily to each other with no Tinkerbell in sight. She turns back to Rock and asks about Wendy and if he loved her. Rock says he loved how he made her feel and that he could pretend he was capable of having emotions around her. A man in the crowd of dancers bumps into Winnie on accident, and Rock grabs him by the throat, telling him to watch where he's going before throwing him back and telling him to move along. And Rock tells her it's time for him to go and disappears. I think he's got to go eat some people, probably. I think so, too. But also, he left her. He did. He wasn't supposed to. He was not. We switch to Cass's POV. They've changed into their old royal outfits until he tells them they look like princes. One of Tinkerbell's employees walks in and tells Tilly she's needed in the council room and when they're gone Bash tells him this is the perfect opportunity to sneak into the vault. They begin to sneak through the castle but Bash gets distracted at the apothecary and makes a pit stop to grab some fairy lube for Winnie despite Cass telling him they need to stay focused so he just huffs and chases after Bash. It's gotta get that lube. It's apparently like the best lube ever. Yeah. I'm sure. Bash finds the bottle he's looking for and says that Winnie's gonna love this and Cass rolls his eyes but thinks to himself that his brother's totally right. She's gonna love it. They always got sex on the brain. They do. Mm -hmm. I wish they had more sex on the brain in this book. (laughs) I know, fuck. They make their way to the underground corridor and when they get to the door of the vault, there's a glowing blue orb that acts like a lock and they're pretty sure they don't have access anymore but when Cass holds his hand to the orb, it clicks and the door opens. 
We switch to Bash's POV. He thinks it's suspicious that the door opens so easily, but they each grab a lantern and decide to split up to speed the search along. They both walk around trying to pay attention to the way the magical objects feel because when they find their wings, they'll know it. They meet up in the middle of the room after searching their respective sides and they're starting to feel anxious, like something just doesn't feel right. Cass tells him there was an empty spot on one of the shelves, but the lingering magic didn't feel like their wings, so they decide to get back to the party. We switch to Pan's POV. He's having this whole ass identity crisis about what Tinkerbell told him about his mom and Vane is yelling at him to get it together, but he won't tell Vane what's actually wrong. Yeah. And Vane's like, on. quit being a pussy. Just tell me. Like, let's figure it out. Yeah, and Pan's yeah. like, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> he is being a little baby in a book. Yes. He, Vane, and Winnie are sitting together in the dining hall, so nothing bad happened when Winnie was alone. Okay, good. They all leave the dance hall and go to the dining hall, and Pan is throwing back drinks as Winnie asks him about what Tinkerbell said to him. So he just, like, doesn't want to talk about it, but he's just moping about it. Yeah, like, shut the fuck up about it or talk about it. Yeah. 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 Easy. Pick one. He's spiraling, thinking about how he doesn't deserve his shadow, and he should just give it to Tinkerbell when Winnie places his hand on her bare thigh, and this seems to soothe him. He tells her touching her is helping, so she hikes up her skirt, placing his hand on her panties, and she says to let Vane watch for once. Pan glances at Vane, who gives him a nod of approval, and she spreads her thighs for him as he slips his hand into her undies. Here we go. Finally. Yeah. I know. He's having like a crisis and he's like, oh, pussy. In your pussy. <laughs> your pussy helps. Make me feel better. <laughs> Heat builds between darling sighs. And when I finally give in, slipping my finger down her slit, I'm not surprised to find her soaking wet. I lean over, mouth at the curve of her ear. Is this veins come linking out of you, darling? She licks her lips. Yes. Oh, girl. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Let's come. I pull my hand out from Darling's panties, out from beneath the table, and brush her bottom lip with her wetness. Taste it, I order her. Her tongue slides over the rise of her lip, cleaning up the mess, full of lost boy cum, as always. Per use. As always. Vane tells them they need to go and gestures toward Cass and Bash slipping through the crowd of fairies toward them. Cass comes up to them and tells them that they didn't find their wings, but Bash says the trip wasn't wasted, though, and holds up the bottle of lube. <laughs> He's like, oh, look what I got. Look what I found. <laughs> Pan says, let's get everyone home so they can all warm themselves up in the darling's pussy. And Bash grabs Winnie by the nape of her neck, wrapping a hand around her throat. Darling, did you ever in your wildest dreams imagine you'd get fucked by four men at once? Her answer is breathy but excited. It was on my bucket list. (laughs) Bash bursts out laughing and lets her go, offering a gentle manly hand instead. Then let us not delay your list of buckets, whatever that means. (laughs) Your list of buckets. Your list of buckets. (laughs) He's like, I have no clue what you're talking about sounds great (laughs) they leave the castle and make their way back to the treehouse winnie is walking up ahead with the twins and pan and vane are behind them vane tells pan that tinkerbell will say whatever she thinks will hurt him the most and not to listen to her but pan refuses to talk about what tinkerbell told him and just says come on let's go fuck our darling whore until she squirms in our arms he needs therapy little squirmy wormy we switch to winnie's pov they're all back in the house when pan says he hasn't seen the lost boys in a while and finds it strange but Vane says they're probably all off fucking around in town. Cass pops a bottle of fairy wine and Bash says it's to celebrate fucking the darling's pussy. And they all happily drink to that. Cheers. Cheers. 
to the darling's pussy. The treehouse is freezing, so they all decide to head up to Pan's old room instead of staying in the loft. So since he couldn't go out in the sun, he had to live in that tomb. But he did have Mm -hmm. a room in the treehouse. And it sounds lovely. Pan leads him upstairs to a secret room behind a bookshelf door. And the room is beautiful with a stone staircase leading up to the main room that has a domed ceiling made of glass. And it has like bookshelves and Uh I think it had like a wooden bridge that leads to little lofts. Yeah, like a little loft in there. Like it sounds awesome. Sounds like a treehouse inside a treehouse. It does. And Winnie asks, who's going first? Always asking <laughs> the hard-hitting questions, Yeah. Winnie. Oh, Bash says, let me tire Let me tire up first so you can have your way with her immediately. No questions asked. I'm fucking dripping. <laughs> She's fucking dripping. Cass lights a fire in the fireplace to warm the room up, and Pan tells Winnie she's the first woman he's ever brought up here. Special. She's a special, girl. He unbuttons her dress, and it falls right off, and he orders her to get on her knees on the couch facing the back of it. Bash ties her wrists up, securing her to some beams as Cass ties a blindfold around her head. And Pan says they're going to play a little game where she guesses who's touching her, and if she's right, she'll be rewarded, but if she's wrong, she will be punished. She feels someone graze her skin before pinching her nipple and kneading her ass and she guesses Cass but she's wrong. It was Bash and he slaps her ass hard. Damn. What a horrible punishment. (laughs) Oh, don't slap me. Someone presses their lips into her back and she guesses it's vain but Pan yells wrong and slaps her ass too. (laughs) They're just like, eh. (laughs) No. Someone begins to tease her nipples, biting and sucking them, and begins to move his hand down to her pussy. And she guesses Cass, and she's right. Yay. Winner, winner. What does she get? Cass sits on the ground, so his face is between her legs. (laughs) (laughs) sit on my face darling and let me give you your reward i put my weight down i don't need to be told twice Cass's mouth on my pussy is everything i've ever needed he kisses at my clit runs his tongue over me moaning into me suddenly pan is behind me how she tastes prince so fucking sweet he says and then flicks his tongue out tasting me deeper i don't so fucking sweet so fucking sweet (laughs) i mean how she tastes like Lost Boy come. Honestly, probably. <laughs> you know, Peter. You know exactly what she tastes like. Yeah, don't play <laughs> stupid. Pan says that she's not allowed to come yet, so Cass fucks her slowly with his tongue. And he continues to eat her out as someone else walks up and grabs her by the throat, nipping at her neck with his teeth. She's fucking soaking me, Cass says. Who's at your back, darling? She's fucking soaking me. Soaking me. Cass stops what he's doing and sits on the couch, allowing Winnie to straddle him, and she rocks hard against his dick. She guesses it's Pan and she's right and Pan tells Cass to fill her up and make it hurt. Oh god, Pan holds me against him as Cass fucks me hard and fast. My tits bouncing as our bodies crash against one another. Fuck, darling. Cass breathes heavily, pounding into me. I rock my hips forward, grinding my clit against him. Come on his cock, Pan orders. Show us you can be a good little whore. Pan shoves me forward, putting his hand over Cass's at my hip, grinding me down on him, and the orgasm rips through me. Burning through nerves and muscle and bone, I sink against the ropes, against Pan and Cass, as Cass's cock throbs, spilling the last of his load. You're not done yet. Pan says, when the night is over, darling, we will have fucked every hole and made you come at least twice more. I moan against him as he kisses the soft shell of my ear. Do you understand? Yes. 
Every fucking hole. Every hole. Pan calls her a good girl and orders for someone to bring over the lube. Cass leaves to go get it and someone else takes his place. Winnie hears a bottle open and several drops of lube are dripped onto her asshole. So there it is, Riley. The lube. The lube's here. Finally. It's fairy lube. Must be good. She can feel the lube moving and sending waves of pleasure through her. And she's like, wow, this lube is amazing. Fairy lube. Yeah. Does the lube have like magical properties? Uh-huh. It says it like moves around like water. Crazy. The one on the couch sinks inside of my pussy slowly as Pan pokes at my ass, the lube making it easy for him to slip in. Someone else comes around the couch facing me. Open your mouth, darling. Pan's thumb coaxes at my chin. Let me see you choke on cock while I fuck you in the ass. I dutifully part my lips and I'm immediately overwhelmed by the size of the cock as it fills me up. All three holes full now. That sounds wildly overwhelming. (laughs) It sounds horrible. Pan tells her she has to guess one last time who's in each hole and if she gets it wrong, she can't come. Bash is in my pussy. I answer and he groans as he hits balls deep. Fuck yeah, I am. (laughs) Yeah, he is. I'm in your pussy. Vane is fucking my mouth. The blindfold comes off. Bash grins up at me, fully seated inside of me. Vane takes a chunk of my hair and forces me up to him. Such a good little whore win. He says, now let me fuck that pretty little mouth until I'm spilling down your throat. Good little whore. Little whore. But he used the name she loves. That's so sweet. The men find their rhythm and Pan tells Cass to make her come over and over and over again until her leg shake. So he uses his magic to create vines to stroke her clit and drops some lube on her nipples and some more on her clit. I moan again and Vane hisses as he fucks my mouth harder, harder, until he spills over my tongue, filling my mouth with an impossibly huge load, so much that it drips from my mouth and down my chin. (laughs) Oh my god, that's so much. That's a lot of load. That's a big load. Yeah. Cass begins to play with her clit using his fingers and she comes super, super hard. She's clenched tight around around my cock bash says fuck darling bash bounces me on his cock when vane pulls out his cum covering my chin fuck yes bash says and spills inside of me there's so much cum in her yeah yeah like so much cum she's just like a cum balloon yeah cum bucket she's a little cum bucket she is a little cum balloon is that what you said (laughs) yeah filled with cum like a balloon with little balloon water balloon but cum balloon yeah gross (laughs) (laughs) pan orders cast to make her come again so he makes the vines go crazy on her and she has another crazy orgasm. Come for me, darling, Pan says. Come while I fill up your ass. His words are enough for the wave to engulf me. I cry out and Pan drives forward, groaning into me as he shoots his cum deep inside of me. Shoots it. Deep inside her ass. (laughs) Bash says that was amazing and Pan tells them to untie her. Vane picks her up and brings her to the bed and they all get to work on cleaning her up and tending to her. Pan brings her a big shirt to sleep in and they all fall asleep together. The next morning, Winnie wakes up before the men and she goes and freshens up and heads down to the kitchen where she's greeted by Tinkerbell. <gasps> Tinkerbell! In the treehouse! fucking doing there? Winnie's eyes immediately turn black and she asks Tinkerbell what she wants and says that if it's Pan, she can just forget it. But Tinkerbell says she's going to let Winnie in on a little secret. She wants the shadow. She does not want Pan. Winnie asks why she doesn't just take her shadow, but Tinkerbell tells her that the runes on her back that her mother had carved into her are a binding spell and the lagoon told her that the death shadow is bound to her forever. So you remember how her mom paid people to like carve her up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh shit. So now 
it cannot leave her. She has it forever. Mm-hmm. Damn. The shadow confirms that Tinkerbell's not lying. So the shadow's like, yeah, that's correct. It just didn't seem like information you needed to know. Tinkerbell tells her she wants Pan's shadow to give to the twins to split like Winnie and Vane did so the Fae can be all powerful. Suddenly she hears her mom screaming for help outside. So Winnie hears her mom screaming for help outside. Holy shit. Yeah. And she runs to find her being held by two Fae soldiers. The ground beneath her turns to nothing and she falls into a box that's nailed shut by a lost boy. Winnie! Yeah. Immediately I was like, this is an illusion. This is an illusion. Don't go. But yeah, she can hear herself being buried alive and Tinkerbell telling someone to bury her deep. She's banging on the box when the darkness fades and she's at the lagoon surrounded by the four men asking her if she's all right. Oh, shit. We switch to Pan's POV. He wakes up being attacked by one of the lost boys. He has completely blank eyes and is coming at him and stabbing him in the chest with a knife. Pan grabs the knife out of himself and uses it to stab the lost boy in the skull, killing him. Pan jumps out of bed and finds the other three also battling blank-eyed lost boys and Bash asks what the fuck is going on. When they overtake the lost boys, Vane wraps Pan's chest with a sheet, but they realize Winnie is gone. Vane says that he can sense her, but she seems eerily calm. Bash tells Pan that his wound is from a blade forged from Lost Land Volcanic Stone, and it's the same type that was used to cut Vane's shadow out, and it's right through his chest. Yep. No! And the twins realized that was what was in the empty shelf in the vault. So when they were like, this might have been where our wings were, but it didn't seem right, it was the Lost Land knives. Damn. Pan is feeling faint, and as they leave to go find Winnie, he realizes the treehouse is completely empty and silent. So all the birds that are normally in there, not there. All of the, like, firefly things, not there. <sighs> Vane sits a weakening Pan on the couch when another one of the Lost Land blades is thrown across the room and lands right in Vane's chest, and three more follow. Tink walks in, followed by Tilly, Fae soldiers, and a bunch of the dead-eyed Lost Boys. Tinkerbell pours a drink for Pan and forces him to drink it and tells him that her boys are the only ones in this room worthy of power and that she's reinstating their birthright. She tells the twins that Pan only wants them to follow him around like lost puppies, but she wants them to lead. And Cass tells her they don't want the shadow, they just want their wing. And Tinkerbell asks Tilly if there's anything she wants to tell Cass and Bash. Oh no. Yeah. Tilly blurts out that she never had the wings. They were destroyed right after they were taken. And the twins are understandably pissed off and Tilly says that she's sorry she was just so mad at them and Bash tells Tinkerbell they aren't going to take the shadow and Cass agrees. Vane tells them that he can sense Winnie now and she's panicking and Tinkerbell says she's buried underground. Sorry. She's going to die. Pan caves and says fine. The twins can have his shadow if Winnie remains unharmed. The twins try to fight him on it but Pan thinks that them not wanting it makes them the perfect ones to take it and he summons his shadow to the surface where it exits his body through his chest wound as his body shakes painfully and the shadow surrounds the twins in bright light. The twins collapse to their knees and when they finally stand up, they have beautiful wings behind them. And Pan yells for them to take Vane and find Winnie, but Tinkerbell yells to her cronies to stop them and an all-out brawl ensues. But they have their wings. wings. And I guess they're very beautiful. They're like the scales of a mermaid, he says. Yeah. I know, but Pan, Vane, I know. We switch to Winnie's POV. She's panicking in her box and realizes Tinkerbell used an illusion to make her feel like she was safe at the lagoon with the guys. She can hear someone above her prying the box open. And when light pours in, she can see that it's Tilly. And Tilly says she's here to help because all of this is her fault. Winnie is skeptical 
Nicole, but she can see that Tilly is being sincere and Tilly tells her to help her save her brothers. Vane runs up to them and immediately wraps his arms around Tilly's throat, but Winnie stops him, telling him she's the one who saved her and she notices how pale Vane looks and asks what happened. And Vane tells her that Pan gave his shadow to the twins. Tilly says that her mom was resurrected more powerful than before and she's using her magic to control the Lost Boys and the Fae Soldiers and they need to unite the shadows to take her down. We switch to Bash's POV. They're flying through the air, beating the shit out of Lost Boys and Fae Soldiers and are absolutely loving having their wings back. As they fly away after dropping a bunch of the enemies, they spot Tilly, Vane, and Winnie walking a path through the forest. The twins drop onto the path in front of them and Winnie's like, holy shit, you got your wings back. And Bash is torn because having the shadow feels right and having his wings back feel amazing, but he still feels like he's betraying Pan. Tilly apologizes for everything and the twins say that they forgive her, but they won't forget. And she says she has one of the blades and thinks maybe they could use it to kill Tinkerbell. She breaks down apologizing again while crying and the twins hold her and tell her it's all right. She's not alone anymore. And to dry her tears because they have a mother to go murder. They're all like, hey, you want to go kill mom? Hell yeah. Yeah. I got this blade. Let's go kill mom. (laughs) She has it coming though. Honestly, she's a bitch. We switch to Winnie's POV. They get back to the treehouse to find a bunch of dead lost boys, but no Tinkerbell or her soldiers. They all change into fighting clothes and make a plan for everyone to distract Tinkerbell to give Tilly an opening to stab her. Winnie is concerned about the lack of Pan, but decides to deal with that later. So Pan is just MIA at this point, doing his own thing. That scares me. He's just moping around. They make their way back to the Fae Castle where Tinkerbell is waiting for them in the meadow out front with her soldiers and more lost boys and she flicks her wrist and all her henchmen start to attack. The twins fight effortlessly as Vane and Winnie use the death shadow to slaughter anyone who comes close to them and they make their way to the center of the battle where the twins are fighting against Tinkerbell and Tinkerbell's just laughing at them as they dive bomb her while Tilly comes soaring out of the sky and buries the blade right into her mother's heart. Yeah! Yeah! Tinkerbell sinks to the ground before immediately standing up, pulling the blade from her chest, and throws her head back and laughs maniacally. She's like, you thought? (laughs) Bitch, you thought? Here I am. We switch to Rock's POV. He's spied on this entire situation, and he's thoroughly entertained by all the drama. And he's just like (laughs) eating his peanuts. (laughs) <laughs> he's like wow would you guys like some help oh, <laughs> he finds pan sitting on the beach of the lagoon crying and he pops a peanut <gasps> into his mouth asking if he's moping <laughs> he's like you sad <laughs> oh my i thought why for are you second, sad he he popped a peanut in pants <laughs> <laughs> like here get a peanut he's like here are you sad eat a peanut <laughs> can't be sad Makes while you're eating feel a peanut. better i love peanuts <laughs> Rock sits next to him and says he shed a tear or two in his day and asks Pan what's got him shedding tears. And Pan says he's lost everything and he thought that once he reclaimed his shadow, everything would be right again. And Rock says, no, you thought it would be easy. Pan tells him what the lagoon whispered to him about the Never King being drenched in darkness, terrified of light, but you can't have light without darkness. So remember the last book where he was like sinking in the lagoon and the lagoon was like whispering shit to him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what All it was saying. Riddles. Mm-hmm. And Pan's ah. like, what does it mean? I mean? He's in full crisis right now. He is, yeah. as everyone else is like dying, but okay. be sad, I guess. <laughs> Rock tells Pan to follow him and they wade into the lagoon and he tells Pan that he thinks he knows what the lagoon meant before lunging at him. He holds Pan underwater until Pan stops struggling and lets him sink to the bottom. And he walks to the shore and eats some more peanuts while he waits. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Rock's just like, here, let me help. Drown. Oh, you're sad? (laughs) 
I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and since Pan doesn't have his shadow, he's like, damn, this was hella easy. Yeah, he's oh. like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> is Pan dead? We switched to Baldur's POV, the wolf. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's a flashback to a mother placing her baby into the lagoon accompanied by her wolf. The baby sinks, but the wolf tells her just to wait because the lagoon gives what is needed and the boy comes to the surface gasping for air. He's no longer a baby and the mother and the wolf hide behind the tree to watch. The mother marvels at how beautiful the boy is and asks the wolf to watch over him and the wolf agrees. She says she'll watch from the sky if he watches from the ground before she flies up returning to the sky and she is the brightest star in the sky. Mm. We switch to Rock's POV. Light explodes from the lagoon and becomes this sort of like nebula. Mm-hmm. What? It sounds badass. It does sound really cool. A geyser of water spews out and Pan emerges glowing like a star and flies off into the sky and rock watches and suspects that gods need no shadows to take to the sky (gasps) rock he knew he was helping yeah he's like okay i know some shit i know shit I'm not going to, like, get involved, but I'll move things along. Oh. We switch to Pan's POV. He now knows that the Neverland shadow was given to him by the lagoon as a crutch to feel less weak. But now he has Baldur's memories and knows about the two gods on the beach, and he's afraid of nothing anymore. He flies toward the sound of fighting and knows that Tinkerbell doesn't stand a chance anymore. So I think Baldur is his dad. I think so, too, but I... It doesn't say. It said two gods on the beach, and it was the wolf and the mother. I'm going to assume that the wolf is his dad. We switch to Winnie's POV. They're losing the fight, and Winnie is wounded. She's on the verge of giving up because now they have no idea how to kill Tinkerbell. Everyone turns to look up to the sky where there's a ball of light flying right toward them. Tink looks terrified as it crashes right into her. And it's Pan. (gasps) Yeah! Like, it's a bird, it's a plane. Tink stands up and one of her wings is missing. So he straight up fucking took her out. He said, got it. (laughs) Got your wing, bitch. (laughs) What are you going to do? Fly? (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) She tries to fight him, but Bash and Cass grab her by the arms and Pan grabs her face in his glowing hands and the dark magic swirls out of her and she looks up and begins to scream. So like, you're not laughing anymore, are you, Tinkerbell? Nope. No. We switch to Bash's POV. Pan's light pours from Tinkerbell's mouth before she disintegrates into a cloud of fairy dust. All of the Fae and the Lost Boys immediately come out of their haze and are confused about where they are. Winnie runs into Pan's arms and Tilly asks the twins if they can talk. She says she's leaving the Fae court and wants to leave Neverland to find herself and she wants them to rule the Fae. And they say yes if she's sure. And she's like, yes, I am sure. She's like, I need to take a step back. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, I don't fucking like this. I don't (laughs) want any part of this. I want to be a normal person. We switch to Pan's POV. Now he knows that he couldn't go out into the sun because stars don't belong in the daylight. He tells Vane that Rock helped him and Vane is flabbergasted. He's like, Rock helped you? My brother? My brother, the crocodile? We're we're talking about the same guy, right? (laughs) (laughs) The entire group exchanges sappy I love yous and Pan's heart is full. We switch to Winnie's POV. Two weeks have passed and her and Pan are looking at the stars through an old telescope and he's showing her the star that is his mother, a star goddess. 
Oh, he's like, that's my mama. That's my mommy. Bash pours everyone drinks so they can celebrate the twins coronation ceremony the next day and they all cheers. And Winnie is told that she's going to be queen. She's taken aback but likes this and Pan says of course she'd want to boss around all of Neverland and she says she could never command him and he says to try it out so she tells him to get on his knees he does and the other three follow suit and Vane grabs her hand and kisses her knuckles saying as the queen commands it as the queen commands we're in the epilogue rock and tilly are sailing together to everland to find wendy and tilly will be helping rock dig into people's heads to track her down what about captain hook she asks i bite into a nut (laughs) what about him are you excited to see him too i snort and press into another shell breaking it open but i don't answer the question i can't because there is one thing troubling me most of all i am excited to find wendy yes but there is one person i am more excited excited to see a pirate with a fuckable mouth and an attitude i'd love to break i'm coming for you captain i hope you're ready to be devoured by a crocodile oh he's gonna fuck him oh yeah (laughs) he's gonna fuck him and that's the end that is crazy (laughs) this is not the last book it is it can't be surely it is but there is gonna be a separate standalone that was supposed to come out sometime this year um but nikki st crow posted on her instagram yesterday saying that the book is pushed back like indefinitely but it will be about wendy hook and rock yeah it's an mmf an mmf Uh which we have not covered no but it will be coming out sometime in 2024 i believe what's mmf male male female oh so there's gonna be some sword crossing yeah we love when swords touch yeah yeah whack them together (laughs) yeah (laughs) poke them so riley how many red pepper emojis do you give this one i think i give this one three and a half Ooh, the lowest rated yeah i think i would give it three and a half red peppers but i would give it four stars Mm -hmm. yeah the red peppers are low but the stars have to be high because it's still the same characters and story yeah and everyone got their happily ever after yeah and i did like the story like i liked the plot just wasn't didn't hit the same no it didn't it didn't i was bummed that there was no rock and hook action in this book I really thought there was going to be. Yeah, because you know that there's something going on there. There's sexual tension between the two of them. Yeah. For sure. Well, Riley, do you think the Lost Boys are sexy still? I do. Same order? Yep. Order has not changed. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I don't think it will. Ever. No. No. Vane is always daddy. Daddy Vane. Always. And would you trade places with dear sweet Winifred? I can't remember. Did I say I would in the beginning? Say what you're thinking. Say how you're feeling. I also don't remember. I think you said it might be fun. Honestly, I still think it may be fun. (laughs) Sounds a little stressful, but I still think it would be fun. You want to be a cum balloon? (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. Why not? When in Rome. I want to trade places with um, Hook when he hooks up with Rock. Honestly, what's up with Rock? I want to know. I was so bummed that there was no Rock in this one. And no, like, absolutely no Hook. We got no Hook. No Hook at all. And I thought that he would be in it since he's, like, sailing off to this grand adventure trying to find Wendy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it'll be a standalone. So I think that means everything's going to get wrapped up with their story in the one book. So 
Ooh, I can't wait for that one. Whenever it comes out, we will do that one. And then the, I think that's the actual end of yeah. the series. Crazy. 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 So next week, we're going to be telling Riley all about The Dare by Harley LaRue. And we're going to have her look at the cover and give us her best guess on what it may be about. It's like a man with tattoos on him and he's holding his mouth open. I have no fucking clue. <laughs> The cover is not telling at all. I feel like there's going to be a dare in it, though. Someone's going to dare someone to do something. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be something crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I have, look at what he's doing with his mouth. He's like, like, ah, yeah. Yeah, he's like trying to like rip it open. And I think all of the Harley LaRue books are like dark, dark romances. Mm. I think so too. Even the cover just looks like it would be like a dark book. And January is going to be all dark romance. Aside from your Riley reads, they are all dark romances. Yeah. All right. Well, if you liked this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Smut Up and Listen Podcast and on TikTok at Smut Up and Listen. Tell your friends, but not your mom. And we'll see you later, you horny little rats.